Now, we all know Norton's anthology and books of that sort, don't we? From, uh, you know, college literature courses and so on. When they have great anthologies of world literature, can you guess the, uh, the Christian scripture that inevitably makes it in? You'll never guess. You'll never guess. It's Luke 15, the prodigal son. Now, it shows how much we know about stuff that we've misnamed it, really. And, of course, it's also, in fairness to us, a word we rarely use except in this context. Many a person has never heard or heard use the word prodigal except in this context. So they don't really have a lot of, they don't know where it touches down in the parable and the, exactly what it means if they're back-referencing it to learn its meaning. But of course it means spendthrift. And of course we call it the prodigal, we refer to the prodigal son. Many of the, many of the scholar who's pointed out that it's far more aptly known as the parable of the prodigal father. Yes, more the prodigal father because the son is spendthrift with money, that's true, sort of like a drunken sailor, as the saying goes. With all due respect to sailors, I know a lot of them, they're all very upright, but you get the idea, it's just a turn, turn of phrase. But the, uh, the father's prodigal with love, and with steadfastness, and with loyalty, and duty, and concern, and a sense of family, and integrating the son back in. All of them are separate, and in this case, difficult tasks. But the father is instinct with each of those, with each of those. Our world at the moment has a lot of polarization, a lot of scuffling and hatreds, and so representing us very well is the, uh, is the other son, the elder son, who's outside angry and steaming, just steaming, with resentment and irritation. And uh, the father has to go out. The father has to go out and uh, get hold of him. In some ways, that represents our world and ourselves all too well. One thing I always recommend to people about Luke 15, this parable of the prodigal son or father, is that we take time to look at the beginning where in a sense we find what our Lord was aiming at, why he told this parable. You know, when people make comments to me and things they want done and so on or at groups or committees, I'm always anxious to ask them why. And you know why that is? Because we're used to edicts from toddlers. You've heard of the terrible twos? And we're used to edicts from authoritarians, adults who haven't grown up yet and don't know how to address other adults who are still toddlers of the terrible twos, even though they're 45. But generally, between adults, what do we do? We say, I think we should do this because, or because of this, I think this, or so on and so forth. We give our reasons, and we're all free. We can all think about those things and figure it out, and maybe adopt that reason and therefore that behavior. But in a way, we need the reason and the rationale, the rationale first. And that's an important thing. The son thought he knew his, uh, his own welfare. He thought he knew what was in his own best interest. And he really cut himself off from the things that were most important to him. Also, his judgment was poor. That's been shown many different ways. And so he went off on his own, blew the money, blew the money in things you wouldn't want to detail. And then, of course, he was hungry and in trouble and had... In a sense, he had that job, but no, no funding apparently, not enough to feed. And so he decided he would come back and work as one of the hired employees at his father's concern. He would probably have it in there. He worried, he thought, perhaps. And then the great surprise to anyone reading the parable to the point that that great surprise, the father's overwhelming love and loyalty is such that it puts it into every collection of world literature. Not world collection of Christian literature, just world literature. Because the point it makes, the punch it has, the insight it can, takes about human nature, the human heart, the human family, 
and never having a family or the possibility of a family or the possibility of a country, a city, a neighborhood, it strikes first root right there. And it says justice is one thing, but it shows us how what we don't think is true is true. That love and mercy are at the heart of getting things right. They're at the heart of getting things right. And so there's that great celebration by the loving Father. And what is that doing? It's giving us an inkling of what God the Father is like. Remember Archbishop Fulton Sheen's own line, the Old Testament is like radio. The prophets tell us what God said. The New Testament is television. The Word became flesh and walked among us and he told us and explained things. But we have to work a bit, we have to listen to what he said first to understand the purpose of the parable, but it reveals the infinite love of God. And then, in a sense, the parody of the older son, representing us perfectly, not so much a parody as a characterization done by any scientist with a clipboard, showing how we would react, is finally a chance uh, to take a look at ourselves and try to revise our rules for living, our rules of thumb, whether our common sense is really sensible at all. Bearing in mind, the common sense is not common at all, too. So there's several, several steps we have to work through and take. If you think of the Gospels, I must tell you, I've, I've always found Luke my favorite. There's John's prelude, there's many other things, Matthew's teaching, the Beatitudes. But the sense of the love of God and that God loves everyone is a message we really need to know and to hear. There are people always ready and willing enough to tell us that people are outcasts and beyond our concern and should ever be beyond our concern and should be thrown away. And so there's a group which is a parody of a Christian church. It's not a Baptist church, even though it uses its name, the, Phel the Phelpses in, what, Topeka, Kansas? And they go around the country disturbing uh, servicemen's funerals for bizarre reasons involving various sexual issues and so on. But they destroy any of And they did that with the, uh, the marathon bombing. They came to uh, the young woman who was, uh, well, anyway, there were several people, and they just tried to destroy that. Luckily, the bikers came along. Think of this. The bikers came along and formed a cordon sanitaire. And with the gunning their engines and so on, they drove their horrible comments away. But they are a church, they say, and they use religion, but more to hurt and harm than to help. And as a form of hate rather than a matter of help. And so Luke in this parable presents our blessed Lord in his 15th chapter as someone who loves us and wants us to love each other. It's aptly timed because we have coming up the uh, RCIA. I know that's a long set of adjectives. It's not Radio Corporation of America. It's Right of Christian Initiation of Adults. And so rather than being an infant baptized in a font, it's people around us wondering about becoming Catholic. Whether never baptized to become a Christian or our fellow Christians, as Christian as we are, but looking for full communion with the Catholic Church. I must tell you this, I was over at the law school two days ago. I get, try to get around the schools through the week. And uh, a fellow came up to me in 1L, first year. A fellow standing next to me said, oh, Father, the, uh, when is, the, the, he, talk to him, he wants to become a Catholic. <laughs> and so uh, he said, we have class now, we'll have to go. I said, we'll be sure to get in touch. And then I've had several other instances of that. It's a woman, one of our coordinators at the business school, last year wanted to become a Catholic. I, I could have received her in, but she wanted to do the full program, which is starting on the 24th. Sometimes, uh, in terms of sins of omission that I mentioned at the beginning, we lack the hope, and therefore implicitly the love, 
to realize that that person is certainly loved by God and would love to know more about us and the Catholic Church and so on and would love to be invited in. So in some senses, we transform ourselves from the older brother or older sister. One of the ways we could do it is by walking people around the church if they're interested, not frog marching them around the church, just inviting them in and uh, letting them know what it is we believe. But the great surprise of the loving kindness of our God, and this parable says it all. Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Please be sure to like us on Facebook and consider supporting us by visiting stpaulsharvardsquare.org. That's stpaulsharvardsquare.org. God bless and see you next time.